are listening to a One Pint Stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast that tells the stories of craft beer in Minnesota and beyond. So kick back, relax, and grab a cold one. The show starts now. Hello, my name is Dan Bobian, and I write, produce, and host a One Pint Stand. I'm ecstatic that you are listening. This podcast has been a passion project of mine since 2016. On this episode, I joined Ariel Keaton, founder of Team Nevertheless, and a brewer at Excelsior Brewing. We talked about the mission of Team Nevertheless and how she worked to create sisterhood in the male-dominated craft beer industry. It's no coincidence that this episode is coming out the week of International Women's Day, which is Friday, March 8th. If you are curious about what Team Nevertheless is and how you can support women in beer, then this is definitely the podcast for you. So let's head out to Excelsior Brewing for my beer chat with Ariel. Cheers. Welcome to another on-location episode of A One Pint Stand. I'm your host, Dan Bobian, and I am out here in Excelsior, Minnesota at Excelsior Brewing Company being joined by Ariel Keaton. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Yes. This is, I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed to say that this is my first time visiting Excelsior. I know it's been around for over a decade, but as they say in the professional bowling world, better late than never. So uh, we're here uh, kind of huddled amongst the stainless steel in the back. There was a uh, there's going to be some music in the front later on, so we hunkered down back here in the in the brew house, um, and I am excited to to chat beer with you. So, yeah, let's, let's do it. Tell me your story. Tell me your beer story. I know that uh, we've kind of met in passing at festivals, and I know that you're uh, heavily involved with Team Nevertheless, uh, and I think we kind of, I think it was uh, ABR. We kind of like started chatting about sitting down to do a podcast and um before we get into team uh nevertheless which is a very exciting uh entity in craft beer for good um tell me uh, how you wound up in this crazy industry i feel like i i kind of just fell into it so uh while we're in the stainless forest here which is my favorite favorite term for a seller um i had just graduated from the U of M and I have a bachelor's in history. So of course that means brewing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, And I was kind of, you know, bouncing back and forth, not sure what I was going to do. And brewing kind of just fell into my lap. Um, I was serving tables and then I had met some friends who said, Hey, like Harriet brewing, we need to, we need some bartenders. How about you come over and interview with us and, see how it feels. So I went to Harriet Brewing in April of 2016. So almost eight years ago. And I did an interview, decided, yep, I want to be a beer tender. I want to learn more about this. Um, So I was the last taproom manager while Harriet Brewing was open. Um, They closed in November of 2016. So that last chunk of time was my my first step into this wild industry. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, um, and it, it turns out you're not always constantly busy as a bartender or a beer tender, so lots of downtime. Um, 
And during that time, the two brewers, Matt and Jules, who are still in the industry and two of my favorite people, yeah, um, they were like, hey, how about you learn some more about beer? And it, it was a little subtle. And then I started helping clean kegs, helping fill kegs, um, learning the difference between beer filtered and unfiltered, how things were processed at Harriet. Um, and I, I kind of just got really excited. I, I was like, oh, well, maybe I could do this full time. I kind of want to learn more about it. Um, and the last week I worked at Harriet, I met the owners of Tanzanwald Brewing Company down in Northfield. Okay. And they said, hey, we need a taproom manager and an assistant brewer. Um, we're going to be opening up a taproom in Northfield. You should come interview with us. And my first question was, um, well, where's Northfield? And what is that? And I don't know. <laughs> so turns out I ended up working for them for about a year and a half. Okay. And uh, at that point, I was doing half back of house, half front of house. And I just wasn't getting the joy out of the front of house anymore as I did mm-hmm. earlier in my life. Um, and I decided that I really wanted to just do full-time production. I wanted to learn how to make beer, do it full-time, you know, learn how to be more creative with it. And I started applying to every and any brewery that I could. I was sending out, like, introduction emails <laughs> to random breweries, and I'm sure uh, they all thought I was crazy for doing so. But um, I heard back from a few of them, and I it o- got... It only takes one. It only takes one. <laughs> I think I remember one of them I had sent to, I, th- I want to say it was Steel Toe. And I was like, yeah, I'm super fun and I like cats. Please hire me. And I never heard a response back. So. They must have been dog people. <laughs> they must be, yeah, they must have been dog people. <laughs> um, so after that, I got hired at Badger Hill full time. And okay. that was kind of at the time of the Badger Hill and Finnegan's um, alt prop brewing situation. Um, I was hired there, and that's where I, I learned the most there. I kind of grew the most as a brewer, um, and that's where the seeds of Team Nevertheless were founded. That's kind of, I had the space and the platform to be more creative there and learn more, and um, the people I worked with were awesome there, and they pretty much just said, hey, go, go do the thing, and we'll, we'll be here for whatever you need. Tell us what to order. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, they hit hard times as well during COVID. Um, and a lot of us were let go to do, due to financial reasons, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had a mini meltdown <laughs> as a person, as one does. Um, you weren't the only and, one. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, I, I kind of spent a couple months just scratching my eyes out and reading a lot of books. I think I read like 16 books in four months. I was just couldn't, couldn't figure out what to do. Yeah. Um, and I worked for Prize Brewing at that point. They picked me up. Um, I learned some things there, and then I decided I needed something that gave me a little bit more creativity again, more, more room to play. Yeah. Um, and I found Excelsior, and I really didn't know a lot about it. I had been here once to drink beer before I started working here and never really thought about it, and here I am, and I love it. So you mentioned that 
as you as you were talking, I was kind of thinking that you know it's it's got to be difficult because um, you know depending on the size of the brewery and kind of if they're a production brewery, uh, you mentioned you wanted at one point you were looking for more room to play, and that's got to be hard to find in an industry when there are set like if if a brewery not so much nowadays but probably back several years ago um when flagships were a lot more prevalent you know you're if you've got to you got to keep brewing you know 40 barrels of this beer 40 barrels of that beer when do you fit in the creative beer that you you that came to you after reading like a beer book and you're like hey i wonder if this would work um how does that work here and and maybe what are there beer recipes kicking around in your head that you're like well as soon as there's an opening i want to do this what are what are some of those things that that you'd like to try Ooh, yes i like to experiment with kind of weird adjuncts um like i i'm curious about sumac um spruce tip those are on my docket for this year okay they just didn't fit with my timeline last year um, and here we do have to keep a lot of our, um, our flagships on draft, obviously like those take, those take precedence. Right. Um, but thankfully there are three of us brewers here. So there's my boss, myself and, um, our other brewer, brewer, Julian. So if I want to try something brand new, we do have a pilot system so I can okay, that was extra, gonna be my next question, extra yeah. play with yeah. like random, random shit. Um, so I can have. You know, somebody else can brew on the big brew deck, and then I can go play on the little tinker toy yeah. brew house we have up front. It's just a little three and a half barrel system, and it's adorable. Yeah. Um, so that one's kind of the the absolute playground. Um, and if something sticks at that level, then we kick it up to the twenty barrel system. Okay. Um, but we do have a little bit of flexibility there, where you know, if my boss needs to brew one day, so I can play with something new that's totally cool like we're they're they're pretty relaxed and very excited for new things here at excelsior so there's really no limit okay and it's i'm still getting used to that because i've i've met many limits at other jobs and been told no so many times i can't count so i'm, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop sometimes when it's like oh oh they didn't say no oh yeah. i can make this this random mishmash of whatever that my brain came up with at three in the morning. Cool. Okay. Let's see if it works. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I would imagine that that is one of the big draws of this, this career path is the, obviously there's the scientific aspect of it and, and just like kind of like putting pieces together. Um, if you're a brewer, um, I don't know if, if you love cleaning, but it's a big part of it. So there's probably yes. like part of that routine that is satisfying. And, um, but also that, that playfulness of, of kind of like, I wonder if this would work. Like you said, like an idea kicking around your head at 3am is like, Hey, let me write this down. I wonder if this would be great. I'm happy to hear that you have a pilot system so that you get to put that out there. Um, Cause I sometimes worry that as a, as an industry, craft beer is almost kind of becoming too uh, narrow when it comes to options that they're providing drinkers. I always tell people, like, nobody's going to find out if they love a brown ale if 
they can't find one on tap. So yes. um, what have been some of the things that you've brewed that have resonated with your, your local uh, regulars? Um, let's see. We recently released a, our version of Banquet, <laughs> which is oh. very exciting. Um, yeah, the, I saw the can art in the cooler. It's pretty it's, cool. It was very exciting for all of us. We all love a banquet here and there. Um, that one kind of lands really well. We get kind of a, a random hodgepodge of beer drinkers here. Like We, we have a, a huge group of people that it's the Big Island Blonde and our lake-style lager and our Vienna lager is all they'll drink. Yeah. But then we have some people who come in and they only drink our brown ale, which is awesome. Or yeah. um, they'll stay on the, the darker side of the beer spectrum. Um, we do a, a peanut butter stout where we put actual peanut butter cups into the kettle, which is it's always exciting because then it's like free snack day for me. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So we have a, a really good variety, and one of our core beers is a brown ale, which, speaking of brown ales, I love them. Yeah. Um, and they are really hard to find. I know. Like, nobody makes them year-round. I hate that. Um, and I love a good brown ale. So anytime yep. I'm at a brewery that I haven't been to before or haven't been to in a while and I see a brown ale, I always get it. Yeah. Always got to try it. It's one of the styles that originally reeled me into craft beer. I'm like, this is so unique and different. I've never had anything with this much flavor and this much roast and I really liked it. And it's kind of sad that that's not everywhere. There was a time when you'd walk into any place and they'd have a brown ale, an amber ale, like all that stuff. But like, so I'm happy to hear that that's one of the things that you, you brew frequently. Yes, we do have a pretty good wide range of beers on draft here. I think we have 20 draft lines. I think it's 20. It's an extensive list. <laughs> that is, I know that like a long list. <laughs> like when I walked in, I was it was like, okay, wow, there there's a lot of stuff to choose from here. And I'm drinking the dry hopped Kolsch. Yes. Which is quite delicious. What is it dry hopped with? That one is H B C like 1670, which is a very easy to remember hop name, of course. Yes, uh, um, I'll look for it at my local homebrew shop. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, you put you put an interpreter droid in here from Star Wars, is what that sounds like. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of Sabro in there too, so it's it's not too crazy, but yeah. just a nice little subtle hop punch there. Yeah, I like it. It's very very easy drinking, but I do like that how it finishes. It kind of kind of wakes up your your palate gets you going a little bit um when you're not here i always like to ask uh brewers like which is which is kind of funny because i also know that like when you're done brewing the probably the last thing you want to do is go drink beer just because you're around it all day but do you have what are some of your go-tos when you're like maybe out and about on a weekend um craving a beer where are some of the places you like to gravitate towards um, well, I do frequent Nine Mile Brewing quite a bit in Bloomington. Um, John and Riley do fantastic work down there. Um, it's also really close to my house, so it's my closest watering hole. Perfect. So I, I go there pretty frequently. Um, I have a couple of sports bars that I enjoy going to. One of them is called the Sports Page, and it's it's like the perfect dive. Okay. You know, they've got good in food. In Bloomington? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It's great. They've, uh, they're always changing up their tap lines, too. Um, that was the first bar that I ever had moose drool 
on at, and it that's how I learned about that beer was at the sports page, and I that, fell in love with it. That is old school. Yes. That is old school craft. <laughs> like a long time ago, oh, yeah. Oh, man. I used to brew, um, They had, at, at Northern Brewer, that was one of the extract kits. They called it caribou slobber because they didn't want to get sued. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that yeah. always turned out really well. Moostrel was iconic back in the day. Such a good beer. They kept it on draft for at least 12 years straight. Yeah. Because one of the owners of that bar, his name, they called him Moose. Oh. So he had to have Moostrel on. And I remember, I, I must have been like 21 or 22, and I looked at the, the list and I was like, oh, brown ale, moose that's funny. I guess I'll just order that. And it turned out like I would have to get one or two anytime I ever went there. And yeah. now they don't have it on draft anymore, which makes me very sad. But Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that one on tab. Although it, it's like, I mean, there used to be way more places to go to find a vast tap list selection um the the beer bars are few and far between now so it's they cool really to, to find to hear you say that you you've got one really close that that has a nice tap list so yes same with um north star tavern in bloomington i usually try not to leave too far from my house on the weekends i yeah you know I'm out all the time when uh, during the week, so it's nice to stay close to home. Um, but North Star Tavern is also in Bloomington, and they have, I want to say they have like 24 draft lines, and okay. they're always rotating, and it's 90% craft. So there's, it's a great place where I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't go to every brewery in the metro every week, so I can go somewhere and have 20 to 22 new options. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I was really excited when Nine Mile opened because that seemed kind of like a brewery desert almost. There's, Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd have to travel a ways to, to stumble upon something pretty cool uh, from a brewery standpoint, but it seems like Nine Mile is filling that void. Have you heard of any... I know that there were... A, some other breweries like in the works, but I haven't heard any. I haven't heard anything solid okay. for for anywhere <clears throat> Bloomington adjacent either. Okay. Um, yeah, before Nine Mile, it was Wild Mine was the closest one on the border of like Minneapolis Richfield. Um, sure. Otherwise, you'd have to go out to Eden Prairie, Egan, Burnsville. There was just nothing right yeah. there in the center of the South Metro. Yeah, that's really interesting. Seems like there could. I, I'm surprised that there isn't more out in that direction. Yeah, I think a lot of it was like city legislation took an eternity to even give the green light. Yeah. Um, and Nine Mile is it's booming. I mean, there's there's always people in there. They're doing cool events all the time. They've got food trucks. And their space is, is pretty cool. It's in a little warehouse district. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of tucked back. It's tucked back, yeah. but it's it's so close to everything else. It's a little, like, nice little gemstone right in the middle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Um, when you're not brewing, when you're not reading, <laughs> what, what else? That probably maybe takes up all your time. I know... Um, what, what else are you into? What else do you do to kind of recharge your batteries? Recharge my batteries. Um, I mean, I do read a lot. I read 25 books last year, and I was pretty stoked about it. Yeah, what's um, your go-to uh, literary uh, genre? Ooh, I I do a lot of nonfiction. Okay. I like learning about real-world events and 
p- different perspectives on the same event. Okay. Um, so my degree is in World War II and Holocaust studies. So some, you know, some li- nice light reading, real, yeah. real good yeah. for a <laughs> happy Monday or Tuesday. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's so fascinating because you learn different perspectives of the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm given this one body and this one life, so I will only know my own experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so powerful to read what other people go through as much as I can't say like, oh, I totally understand that. I can at least empathize with it more. Yeah. And hearing different points of view, I think it's utterly fascinating. Yeah. Um, I'm, I usually read two books at a time. <laughs> and right now I'm reading uh, a novel, which is very rare for me. I'm reading Anna uh-huh. Karina because I decided a, a thousand page book would be fun to try. Why um, not? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And I don't know anything about the, the story. I just knew it was a classic. I found it in a free bin, and I was like, all right, well, if I have no knowledge going in, I have no expectations, so maybe it will be the best thing ever, or maybe I will regret it after page 800. I don't know. That's the same philosophy I have when I'm trying to pick out a paint-by-number book, so that's, <laughs> that's very interesting. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, but I'm also reading a book called Under the Banner of Heaven. Um, it's by John Krakauer, who's a fantastic writer, and he writes a lot about sports writing and real-world shit. And this book is about um, basically fundamental extremist Mormons and uh, murder, and it's it's just wild. It's yeah. wild what extremism can do to a human brain. Yeah, that is. Um, I mean, that we could do a whole podcast on so, that sometime. Yeah. Maybe I need to branch out. I got a, a um, literary podcast would be fun. That'd be good. I, I'm I'm the same way. I, I'll have two or three books going at the same time. My hindrance is I have a hell of a time finishing them. Okay. As I've gotten older, the only time I have to unwind is right before bed. And so I'll try to read, right? And nine, nine times out of ten, I'll fall asleep and I'll drop the book on my face. <laughs> and then I'm, like, just mad and go to bed angry. Um, I wish I, I... I like reading. I just don't have enough time but like i'm reading um bill bryson he's like i'm on like my fourth bill bryson book i've actually got two bill bryson books going at the same time right now which is a little confusing but i like his writing style and i like how he writes about travels and uh just his unique the the people that he meets and different things like that so if i that's the kind of book i like to read i love his writing style i'm also reading a, a book that aaron ziert lent me like two years ago the the red book on loggers oh, cool. and i'm like two-thirds of the way through that but um every time we get together he's like uh do you still have my logger book that's his <laughs> minnesotan way of saying hey hey jackass <laughs> finish it up <laughs> so um yeah but reading is fun reading about beer is fun um and and drinking beer is fun and too also drinking beer is fun yeah. But yeah when i'm not reading um i do like to go for runs um, it's a nice way to pound the pavement, kind of get out of my head for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I have a crazy orange tabby cat. Uh, he, his name is Mr. Darcy. He's wonderful. Awesome. Um, he's insane, but I love to snuggle with him. And yeah. he's, he's a cat that demands to be picked up and carried. So every morning we have this routine where I get up first before my partner does and he sprints to wherever I am in the house and I've got to carry him while I get my coffee ready, try and brush my teeth while holding a cat. <laughs> like it's, I'm learning a lot of new balancing skills. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I try and 
travel and like see new places too. So those yeah. are kind of my my go tos. I attempt to do an international trip once a year just okay. to kind of see a new place, learn how adaptable I can be in a completely different culture, um, and it kind of makes me feel more human sometimes. Like I yeah. can just escape a little bit, learn about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the next destination? Uh, Sweden and Finland is this year. So Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I have a friend that moved to Finland a few years ago to go to grad school and okay. she never came back and she just opened up her own coffee shop this year and she's in the far Eastern part of, uh, Finland. And I was like, well, if I find myself in this part of the world, can I come hang out with you and like patronize your coffee shop? And she's like, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you have to come out. Um, and I found a really cheap ticket to Sweden. So I'm going to put four days in Sweden and seven days in Finland and bounce around and learn new things and eat new foods, drink new beers. It's, it's very exciting. Sounds like the perfect trip. I'm so excited. She, uh, My friend had told me that there's a town in Finland called Lati, and they are essentially like a Finnish craft beer town. So Interesting. I, okay. I'm staying a night there because I have to know. Yeah. I have, I have to try all the things. Yeah. There are beers, uh, a type of beer called sati. Yes. And I have never had one. That's the one with the like You like pine. filter through like juniper yeah. branches yep, or yep, something. Yep. Yeah. And I said, well, that, that sounds too good to be true. I got I to gotta get on that. Yeah. So that's, that's the next destination. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fun. I, I mean, travel is... It's just good for the soul, but it's also great to get out and and understand different perspectives, different cultures, and I think that makes everything better. It totally um, does. So that's that's incredible. That's I, I would love to travel internationally. I feel like I'll, I'll get there at some point. Uh, I have to hit a bunch of beer stuff local, and uh, I, eventually I'd love to go to England and Germany and the Czech Republic and explore everything, you know, the food, the drink, the culture, all of it. Um, Because I think that really is, variety is the spice of life. Getting out and traveling is really, really good for for our souls. Um, Those are all very cool places. And it's, it's something that I like to break the myth of that international travel is unattainable because it's not. Oftentimes in my free time, if I don't already have a trip lined up and booked, um, I'll just search for different cheap flights and wherever is cheapest, I'll just buy a ticket. Yeah. Um, so you can fly overseas for under a thousand dollars. Um, I think my most expensive trip was to Japan and I, I think I spent 2,200 bucks. Wow. Like, that's you not can bad. You can do it. Yeah. And, and then I stay in hostels cause it's okay. I'm just there to sleep. Yep. I'm not you know, going to live here, just sleeping here so I can go see other cool shit yeah. anywhere else in the country. Um, yeah. Pack light and get after it. That's cool. Yeah. Or even just like local stuff too. Like I've never been to Jay Cook State Park, so that's on my list this oh, year. That's like, a good one. It's, it's local. It's close. Yeah. Why have I never been there? <laughs> yeah. There's a neat, um, I mean, you mentioned earlier that you uh, spent time at Tanzenwald or applied there um, there's a really cool like state park there that would be like perfect if you were doing like wanted to do like a weekend 
Northfield kind of a beer yeah, beer I think destination. It's Big Wood State Park. Yes. Or yep. Nurse Strand. Yep. I can't remember. Yeah. No, I, is it Nurse Strand? Oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> well, well. It's one of them. <laughs> I always say I'm gonna. I will edit that out and just bleep over it, but I never do. So that like, that's always adds a little <laughs> little flavor to the podcast. Um, so in addition to being the, a brewer at Excelsior. Um, you have some incredible involvement in a group called Team Nevertheless. Tell me about that. So Team Nevertheless is a group that I founded in the end of 2020. Um, 2020 was kind of a year of being a hermit crab, as all of us were, but it also gave me more room to explore and be creative and try something new. Um, And I had been speaking with a friend who is also in this industry. And she was like, well, how many women brew in this state? And at one point, we only came up with eight names. Yeah. uh, Which is not a lot for 200 plus breweries. Um, And I had sent her a message uh, along with another one of our industry friends. I was like, "What what if I just found all of the women in the state that brewed beer? And we like made a beer together and then just kept fucking doing it and they were like yeah that sounds great and I was like okay so I started emailing every brewery in the state that I didn't personally know somebody at yeah. which is a lot a yeah, lot that's of a, places that's a, that's a seismic <laughs> task um yeah so I I kind of I got the go ahead from Badger Hill you know go do your thing we'll do whatever you need to do um and so I emailed everywhere that I didn't know anybody at and I watched my inbox flood with the answer no and sorry no no women in production no 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 um which was uh, very disheartening um but in the end there were 16 of us and I was like okay how about every six months we get together um and the first beer will always be released on International Women's Day and then the second beer will be in the fall at whoever's hosting is choosing um that way, it's like, hey, we're still relevant. We brew beer more than once a year, but it's reasonable for all of us to get together that many times. Um, and I, I just started meeting all of these women via email and text messaging and uh, Instagram to, to try and start this group. And yeah. uh, the first beer was called Nevertheless, and I did a West Coast IPA that time. Simcoe, Mosaic, Chinook. Very classic, nice and dry. It's beautiful. Um, And that brew day, I met half of those women for the first time ever as they were coming into my brew house. Um, We had a great time. We got to know each other. We choose a name from a hat every brew day for who gets to host next. Oh, fun. um, Okay. Yes. (laughs) So then uh, every woman gets to volunteer if, if she's able to host a brew. We draw two names just in case something comes up. Um, have a backup plan and we've been doing this now we just brewed our seventh beer three weeks ago yeah that was a um, wooden wooden ship, ship. Yep. Okay. yes so Abby uh, Edquist over there she's she's the brewer it was her first host first time hosting nevertheless um, it's her first lager recipe too so she did a Hellas oh nice and we're all very excited about it uh, the beer is called the Lady of the Brew House. It's going to come out on March 8th, which I believe is a 
Thursday this year? Is it Wednesday or Thursday? I can't remember. But yeah, so then we, at the brew day, we'll draw the next name. So in the fall, we'll actually be heading to Torg Brewing out in Spring Lake Park. Okay. Um, owner Debbie Torg and her daughter Samantha run the brew house there. So it's going to be their turn to brew whatever they want. That's a, it's a neat little spot. It's a cute space. Yeah. It's, it's confusing when you walk in because there's a staircase and you're like, am I... Am I in the right spot? Where's the beer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, yeah, I was like, is this a, it felt like a church basement. You walk in and like, oh no, there's a, there's a neat little, yeah, little area you upsta- upstairs. Ascend to the bar. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so they are going to, going to host in the fall and it's great because it gives every woman an opportunity, whether they're at a bigger brewery or a smaller brewery to write her own recipe, to name her own beer and to, you know, feel like she's part of a bigger community of women in beer. And that's what's really important. Um, You know, when I first started brewing, there were six to eight of us in the whole state. And I didn't know any of them. Um, So to have almost 30 of us now, we have this bigger network where it's like, hey, um, so-and-so, I I don't have this yeast. Could I get a brink of yeast from you? Or, oh, I'm, I'm short 10 pounds on this hop. And it's more of like a... A bigger network, but also a little less um, intense, I guess. Like, I feel like it's hard to approach some male brewers, even if they are working close in proximity to your brewery, to be like, hey, I I don't know you, but can I borrow this? You know, whereas it's like, okay, well, we all have this rapport from Team Nevertheless. I know 28 women I could call and say, hey, like, I'm short on... This, this grain, could could you spot me until our order comes in tomorrow? Like, it's not a big deal. It's a special feeling to be part of a, of a group of people that don't really often interact with similar types of people. Yeah. And so I, I, I understand that, and I really applaud you for um, getting that started. It's Thank so you. important. Like... Um, and sometimes I don't know, I guess I, as a member of BCC, sometimes I struggle to really convey to, uh, somebody who is not a person of color, why BCC matters to me so much. Yeah. But it's like you said, that, that network, that support system, um, I think it's, it's more comfortable. Yes, it's it's way more comfortable. And, and just like that feeling of when you get in that space and around the people in the group, you can let your guard down. Yes. And be authentic, be yourself. Um, and I think that there's so many people just take that for granted everywhere they go. Yes. And that is unfortunate for those of us who, who don't have that ability. Yeah. Um, so outside of the collaborations, do you, do you just get together once every six months or is, are there other things that, that happen we, within the group? We attempt to do uh, a happy hour once a month and that usually turns into once every other month. Um, and anybody can host a happy hour. Okay. Uh, you don't have to be part of Team Nevertheless. You don't have to be a brewer. You could say, hey, I bartend at this brewery. Um, I want to host one. Like, get in contact with one of us. We'd, okay. we'd absolutely be happy to do that. And everybody is invited to Nevertheless Happy Hours. Um, we do send out a chain email 
Um, I would like to start us posting it on our social media. I don't control our social media. Jordan Nordby does. Okay. Because I am not the best with technology. It's hilarious. I think my grandma and I are on the same par. Um, we're just, I'm just not there. <laughs> I, I, I can, uh, I can attest to that as I sent you the, uh, outline for the show. You're like, um, just email it to me. I, I, like, <laughs> I don't want to get in a, a wrestling match with Google docs. And yeah. I, I was fine with that. that yep. That's uh, great. Google docs and Google drive work 50% of the time for me. And then I can't figure it out. And I'm like, well, I just need an email or just mail me a paper copy. <laughs> That's funny. Then I can color on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if somebody approaches me on Instagram or sends me a message too, I can also uh, get somebody involved on our, we have a, a whole email list, a spreadsheet of people who are in the industry, of um, people who are interested in becoming a brewer, all of these things. But we want anybody and everybody to show up to a nevertheless happy hour. Um, that's honestly the best time for people who aren't in the industry yet or aren't brewing yet. Um, to come and see us because we're not in the middle of a brew day. We can yeah. sit down. We can have a beer. We can be realistic with what our lives are like. Um, and we can connect a little bit better that way. Well, yeah. Ha- also having that network. Um, that was going to be one of my questions. Like, how does somebody who uh, is aspiring to be a brewer get in contact? You said um, the... Social media is... Yep. so it's at Team Nevertheless okay. um, for our Instagram and our Facebook, or you can reach out to me. I'm at Pint Size Powerhouse, and it's H-A-U-S as the German ah. version. Um, so, yeah, anybody can just shoot me a message. Okay. Um, I'll get. I'll happily spread some information and get back to anybody. Okay. Um, yeah, because we want to inspire more people to, to come into this industry and make yeah. it more approachable and more diverse and more That's like... Huge what our state looks like and what yes. everybody looks like. Yeah. Um, I'd say our biggest success story uh, was we had a, um, our third beer was brewed at Utapils called In All Places. And everybody who hosts, she gets to choose which organization to support with some of the proceeds. And uh, Jordan chose the scholarship and the diversity in brewing scholarship for DCTC. Oh, yeah. So um, there was a woman that showed up to um, Uda Pills. She's She showed up for the release day. I was really excited. She had read about us and showed up to this release party. She wanted to go to brewing school because of us. She yeah. came to a happy hour. Um, she currently works at Unmapped Brewing. Her name is Maddie Jo. Or That's MJ. awesome. Sorry, she goes by MJ. Okay. Um, and, and so she got that scholarship from Uda Pills. She went to DCTC and now she's brewing. And like that was all because we were loud and clear about who we were as women in the industry and how important it is to show us behind the scenes too. Uh, I've, I've got goosebumps thinking about it. Like yeah. her story just, it's like, that's what we can do. That's absolutely tremendous. Like, and it's so special because um, like, like we said earlier, there's, there's, if you're a if you're a certain type of person, there's already a built-in network. Like there's there's so many channels and avenues, but like, um, you know, I would, you know, being a woman trying to break into a male-dominated industry is difficult. Is it getting? Do you feel uh, as this group has kind of like forged an identity and is gathering momentum? Um, 
what are some of the other success stories or, you know, how are you working collectively to kind of break down obstacles and create more opportunities? Um, I think the other successes is we, a lot of us know each other now, so we can give good references and say, hey, you know, E makes a hell of an alt. Please hire her. Like, yes. You know, she, she's very dedicated and passionate and as are every other woman in this group. So it's, it's something where we have power in numbers and we can attest to our, our strengths to other places. Um, and I think with having this network, it's also, it's more comfortable to ask questions that are technical in this industry. You know, there, I've had women come up to me and ask me questions that to them they're terrified to ask because they don't want to seem like they're dumb and yeah. they're not they're not dumb at all it's a legitimate question but it's more comfortable to ask one of your familiar similar peers than some random dude in the industry um, so we have that as well uh, and honestly the more the more women that are in this group it's like oh hey I heard this woman works here or, hey I heard there's a new woman up in like Baxter Brewing. It's like, okay, well, let's find her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's find her and bring her on the team. You all went up to, you, you did a uh, brew up at uh, Jack Pine, didn't you? We, uh, we did do. It was a do, Scottish ale. Yes, yes. It was called Be Audacious. Yes. Um, that was brewed by Kendra up at Jack Pine. Okay. And she was like, yep, I want to do something classic, do a Scotch ale. It was fantastic, honestly. She, she nailed it. It was only 5% and just beautiful. Mm. Um, she was also in a DCTC class years ago. She worked at Enki Brewing out in Victoria for a oh, while. Yeah. Okay. Um, and her and her husband moved up to Baxter and she said, hey, I'm the new head brewer up at Jack Pine. And we said, okay, cool. Put your name in the hat. Let's go brew with you. Like, Sweet. <laughs> yeah. And she's got a great system. And, and that's another cool thing is we get to see how other breweries make it work. Yeah. And oh, hey, I've never heard of doing that before. Maybe I could add that in, or maybe I could talk to my coworkers or boss about changing up our SOP on something. Like, that is powerful, too. Like, when we all do better, we all do better. Yes, you know? yes. Um, I would imagine that there's a lot of people that would consider you a mentor. Who do you look up to? Who has kind of helped take you under their wing and given you advice, giving you support and encouragement in this industry? Honestly, it's it's been a lot of dudes because there were no women when I yeah. started. So there's Matt Onhalt. He is uh, the head brewer over at, gosh. Waldman. Waldman. There we yeah. go. I was like, it starts with a W. Or Va Waldman. I, <laughs> Waldman there. The I was w. like, there we go. Um, he's been so fantastic. I mean, he was the one that kind of held open the door for me in the industry and was like, here, this is how this works. And I've never been afraid to ask him questions and yeah. say, hey, like, this is what's happening with my fermentation. Could it be X, Y, or Z? Or am I yeah. just losing my mind? Um, so he's been one of the my biggest mentors in this industry. Honestly, my partner, he used to brew. Um, okay. He's not a brewer anymore. Uh, he just... He kind of lost the passion for it a little bit, and yeah. it is not easy to make a living as a brewer. <laughs> so. Right, and I have to imagine it's it it. I I could I could see how one would burn out easily. Yes, it's very physically demanding work. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's not uh, a you're not going to get rich doing it. It's no. very much a 
kind of a, a career of, a, of passion. There's not a ton of people that have been in this industry for more than nine, ten years. Like yeah. it just, I'd say average people start to burn out at six, yeah. seven maybe. Well, yeah, um, when you were giving me the tour, you're like, I've been, I've been involved with uh, brewing for eight years. I'm yeah. like, wow, that's a lot. That's April will be you. eight years. And that's it's great. It's wild. It's, it's gone so fast <laughs> at the same time. And I feel like. Yeah, I'm never going to know everything there is to know about brewing. Right. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it is if I'm doing this for 30 years, there's always going to be something new that I can learn. Um, and I'm always going to be able to be that half science, half artist here. And I, I love that. Yeah. But it is really demanding. Um, you know, some days you're just like, oh, I, I'm trying to give it my all. And it's it's fucking exhausting to be like, OK, yeah. well, I've got to climb up here. And then I also have to crawl under this part of the tank to get to this and this is leaking now so I've got to go figure this out um, like you're constantly physically moving around running picking things up like it's it's very hard on a body yeah yeah I, I mean you said like I would not I, I don't do heights so just the thought of climbing climbing up on a ladder <laughs> and pouring anything in one of these things and these aren't like I mean yeah, they're these big are short. but they could be these are these are by comparison to what they could be yes uh, are, are I worked with larger tanks than these and those ones just being on a ladder that high in the air is nerve-wracking and then oh, you're yeah. carrying hops over your shoulder and like your knees end up hurting so bad yeah oh I can only <laughs> um, imagine our tanks should be taller but because our building is not super tall and it's a historic building they actually had to cut the legs down on our fermenters so they're they're like squatter to the ground oh okay is it it's pretty funny you can kind of see the weld marks (laughs) yeah well speaking of historic buildings uh my glass is empty so i think i need to get a refill because i want to hear a little bit about the history of where we're recording excelsior brewing so we're going to take a little break and when we come back we'll hear more wonderful beer conversation with ariel (laughs) hey thank you so much for listening hopefully you're enjoying a one pint stand My aim is to help spread the word about craft beer. Enjoying craft beer is a passion of mine, and I love chatting about it with other people. A One Pint Stand has a goal of helping breweries tell their stories. I love to get out in and beyond Minnesota to visit breweries, beer bars, and meet other interesting beer people. If you are also into those things, you probably want to keep tabs on the show. So go ahead and follow a One Pint Stand on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We would also appreciate any and all positive reviews on Spotify and iTunes to help make it easier for other craft beer listeners to find us. If you like reading about craft beer, I started my own blog, and all of my writing can be found at aonepintstand.com. After eight years of writing as editor-in-chief at Beer Pluma, It was time for me to start my own blog, so make sure you check out the blog for some interesting craft beer content of the written variety. I truly appreciate you listening and taking time to enjoy our stories. Now, back to the show. Uh, After taking a little little break to get get a full beer, now I am uh, sipping on... The Excelsior Brown Ale, Bayside Brown, Bayside Brown. Mm. Uh, was this is this a, is this a deep cut reference to Saved by the Bell or the fact that you're next to a bay? It's because we're next to a bay. Okay. I wish we were as cool as that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of um, 
boat themed things here and bay of bays of Minnetonka yes. themes. Um, all of which, if you didn't grow up in the western suburbs, which I did not, uh, yeah. are, are lost on me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have a couple beers that are referencing boat parts, and I did not know that was a thing. I don't know anything about boats, is what I know. Okay. <laughs> like a propeller pilsner? Or it's a- like am- our Vienna lager is our amberjack lager. And apparently that's part of a boat. And I forgot what part, because I don't own a boat. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a... Yeah, that's interesting. I do love a Vienna lager, though. It so is delicious. I have to I try love that, that on my way out. <laughs> there is some lagering behind you in little FV4. Well, just, just get me a drill and a funnel, and I'll just help myself. Uh, there we go. There's a spout yeah. on the side that, of the that's tank. One of the, you know, that's one of the nice things about podcasting from the brew house. You just reach over, turn a valve, and get a bucket. Just, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we kind of, like... The first part, we talked a lot about uh, your brewing career and uh, Team Nevertheless. And I know that you are going to be releasing, there's quite a few beers releasing on International Women's Day, yes. which is March 8th. Yep, March 8th. Okay. So do you want to give folks a little sneak peek um, of what they should have their, uh, keep their eyes out for? Of course. So uh, we have several beers coming out within the team um we've got, oh there's so many good beers that are gonna come out um so the nevertheless beer the main one that's coming out is the lady of the brew house and that is coming out at wooden ship that's our hellas that we just brewed three weeks ago so it's still gonna lager for a bit um and then Sophia and Bree over at modest have two of my favorite them. people they're amazing yes they're absolutely amazing i I talk to Sophia on the regular, and her and I, um, we do Hulk Hogan voices at each other, so it's just, <laughs> hell yeah, brother. Yeah, like, that's, I like that. so We just all caps text each other brother all the time. Like, that's <laughs> that's Sophia and I. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she has an apple ale coming out on International Women's Day, and then she will be putting it in a barrel with some mixed culture shenanigans and okay. releasing the second part of it at a unknown time. Um, so that's coming out on March 8th as well at Modest. Then um, over in Waconia, Amy over in Waconia does a white IPA every year for International Women's Day. She's done that for years. Um, myself, I have a West Coast IPA coming out on March 8th called A Beer of Her Own. Then, you know, a, a League of Her Own um, or a League of Their Own. Sorry. That. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great movie. Um and I was hoping that maybe I could get that beer into a bar of their own. I was going to say that'd be I the perfect, like... I think that would be so cool. Yeah. Um, I poked our sales guy. I was like, hey, hey, go find the owners of a bar of their own, and maybe yeah, they'll think it's cool enough. Yeah, to Jillian if she... I don't know if she knows about this podcast, but uh, maybe she... Maybe maybe, maybe it uh, exists on her radar. That that would be that's that would be pretty cool. When you said the name, I'm like, oh, it should yeah. be pouring at a bar of their own. That's really yeah. Cool. And I think they're slated to open on March 1st, which is okay. Very exciting. Yeah. Go watch all the women's sports yeah. at a women's sports bar. Like, oh, I'm so excited. I love women's beach volleyball. Like, I get so aggressive watching it because yeah. it's like ah, oh, like they're they're just so fast. 
running on sand and being able to like dive and get upright and be able to spike a ball within three seconds. Once I'm down on sand, I'm just yeah. No, I'm I'm a cat. (laughs) Like I'm just cat in a sandbox. I'd be like, no, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Let's see. I think we've got Spiral Brewing in Hastings. I believe Morgan has a beer coming out for International Women's Day. I don't remember okay. the beer style or name. Um, but I'd say there's probably eight or nine of us within Team Nevertheless that have beer releases on March 8th. So uh, maybe hire a party bus and drive all over the city. That would be... Um, <laughs> it'd be pretty cool. That would be epic, but... We're kind of cancel about, plans the next yeah, day. Cancel plans the next day. Don't go to work. <laughs> just, <laughs> just drink beer with all of us because yeah. we'll all be out throughout the cities, partying. Um, That's wonderful. Yeah, that'll be really cool. It, it's super awesome because even just five years ago, I mean, nobody was making beers for International Women's Day. Yeah, and if they were, it was a guy in a brewery brewing this beer and taking a picture with the women that also worked at the company and that was it. Yeah. And it's cool to see that we're getting away from that and there's mm-hmm. actual women behind the scenes being like, nope, this is my recipe. I'm yeah. going to make a Pilsner because I want to. Yeah. Or I'm going to make a West Coast or I want this sour because I want to. Well, and the that that kind of domino effect of inspiration that, you know, when when people see that and women see that that they're like, well, yes, this exists. That that probably is very comforting, very emboldening to be like, yes, I need to find this group, get into it because there's space for me, you know. Yeah. Whereas like before, that's you know, like you said, that wasn't. You'd have to really do a lot of searching to find yes. find uh, women brewers. So that's very very cool. I'm really. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm, I'm lucky to, I follow you all on social media and it's fun to see um, the, the excitement of like when you all get together and hear stories, but also to uh, see the different varieties of beers that you all come up with is really also very, uh, very exciting. So it's a cool thing. So if you're listening, uh, you want to keep tabs and follow along team nevertheless, uh, they're on Instagram, Facebook, um, and then releasing beers on March eighth. Yes, all over, all over town. So Come drink all of our beers. Yes, <laughs> and find and find them. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. I wish I would have. Because um, didn't you brew? You did one. Oh, uh, maybe about a year ago at uh, the Spiral. Was yep. that an ESB or yes. something? I uh, I missed that. ESB is like one of my favorite favorite beer styles, and it's very underrepresented in the. Yeah, she did an awesome job with that beer. That was called Mind the Gap. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all of the names we try and come up with something that's a little more empowering, um, but a little you know subtle for some yeah. of them. Uh, and they just kind of happen. They show up. So we've had, um, nevertheless, as in nevertheless, she persisted, um, definitive few, which is what we consider ourselves. Yeah. Uh, in all places, which was a uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote, women should be in all places where decisions yeah. are made. Um, mind the gap, as in the gender gap. Um, 
was another one. Uh, we're Not Waiting was the one from Blackstack. That was a Keller beer. Fantastic. As mm. in, we're just not waiting for opportunities to be handed to yeah. us. We're going to go take them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we just just keeping them going. Be audacious. And now a lady of the brew house. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, such an exciting thing and, and such an important group. Um, I, I, love, I love hearing that there's people coming together to, to be more visible. Because uh, representation yeah. absolutely matters, so that's very exciting. So we're here at Excelsior. Yes. You gave me a tour earlier on, and I guess I didn't, like I said, I didn't know kind of what I was really walking into. I know that Excelsior has been around for quite a while. Um, I didn't know uh, that this was a used to be a, a garage, a car, yes. a car garage <laughs> that, that has uh, somehow uh, become a historically protected building. Yes. Uh, but it's cute. You know, it's uh, kind of on the corner. Uh, tap room is really spacious. Nice stage, as a matter of fact. I think that's why we're back here, because there was some live music and uh, podcasts and live music. I didn't want to compete uh, with that. So we're back here. Um, but give me kind of like the rundown of like what is... What is Excelsior Brewing? How do they kind of fit into the the grander fabric of the Minnesota craft beer scene? And um, if somebody hasn't been here yet, what's a reason they should uh, consider stopping by? There are so many things. Um, so Excelsior started in 2011. So this is another, going on our 13th year. Um, and it started before the Surly Bill, so it wasn't a full tap room until much later. And essentially, the space we're sitting in now was the only space available to people. Um, okay. So people would come into the back door here, and it was just being poured out of growlers and small draft lines. There was a, a bathroom, apparently, where our boiler is now, and I guess it was really gross. Uh, <laughs> okay. There's a sign left over that says, please resist the urge to pee in the drain. Like, <laughs> you know, like old school. These, this is a very <laughs> unique space, and it still is. Um, <laughs> so don't pee in the drains. Yeah. Try not to. I mean, to. that's a good rule for it's, life. It's a great rule a, for life. A brewery, I mean, a Burger King, you know, yeah, anywhere. Just, yeah. just don't, don't pee in the drains. Don't pee in the drains. Yeah. Just don't pee in my trench drains here. Um, <laughs> But it, it used to be... <laughs> that makes such a funny shirt. I don't know. My mind is spinning now. It's great. <laughs> it used to be a car repair shop, and I don't know when or why this building got historic status, but it just means we're very limited into changes we can make inside and outside of the building, which isn't the end of the world. So we have adjusted the, the height of our tank legs and done everything we can to make it work. Which actually works out for me because I'm not a very tall person and having tanks where I can reach more things is, is crucial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then after the Surly Bill passed, they opened the front of the brewery, um, made the space a little bit bigger. This became the production area. Uh, this particular part of the cellar we're in used to be where the bottling line was because up until two years ago, we were bottling Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was one one unique one of many unique things about this place is they did bottles for a long, long while. Long time. Um, so we got rid of the bottling line. We have a six head counter pressure canning line now, and it's it's probably the best canning line I've ever worked with. It's pretty exciting <laughs> as far as canning lines go. Um, and 
it, it does take up a good footprint in here, but we work around it. Um, so the space has changed. Things have moved a dozen times since opening. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what you do with a, a business yeah. or an organization. Everything kind of grows and changes with the times to get better. Um, and people who haven't been here, we're right on Main Street in downtown Excelsior, which is four blocks long. It is the cutest little downtown. Um, we're right on the corner of Water Street and 3rd. And um, there's a parking lot behind us, so it's easy to find parking because I know that is a big thing everywhere you go. Um, parking's easy. The lake is two blocks from where we're sitting. Yeah. Um, there's really awesome restaurants in town. Uh, in the summertime, we have a, an ice cream shop that's been there forever. Fantastic. Okay. It's called Licks Unlimited, and it's amazing. Okay. And sometimes the line is, like, around the block. It's that good. Yeah. I've yeah. been to Maynard several times. That's a nice, like... Yeah, Maynard's, you're like, just on the water. Summertime. Uh, yeah, very, very cool. Very nice. Yeah, so it's a, it's a cute space. Um, you know, we want everyone and anyone to come here. We do get... We are family-friendly and dog-friendly, so please bring them all in. And yeah. if you bring in dogs, like, I have to pet them. That's kind of the rule, so... Come find me, and then That's right. I'll pet the dogs. Yes. I have to. What are kind of like some of the the go-to favorites? I know you said earlier that you brew a lot of... The Big Island Blonde. Big Island Blonde, yep. That. Um, what are some of the other things? I would imagine this uh, this Bayside Brown is a, the, is a popular one. Yep, the Bayside Brown is very popular. I'd say the top three beers I brew almost relentlessly are Big Island Blonde, our Hop Waves Hazy, and our Bridge West Coast. Okay. So those are definitely the three I'm always brewing, it feels like. Um, but, yeah, I've got uh, our Vienna Lager in one of these tanks. I have um, our Citrus Blonde, which is a seasonal that we add tangerine to change up the hop profile. And we put hops in the mash tun for that one. It's really effervescent, nice and bright. Yeah. Um, yes, those are, those are the big three. And the rest of them, it's, you know, maybe once or twice a month. Okay. And then we have more room to kind of play with whatever. Um, all of the beers that I want to make are more fall beers. Okay. So I got to I gotta wait a little bit. Um, I was able to do a pumpkin double this past fall. Uh, that's a recipe I've been wanting to brew for seven years now. And it only took this long to finally do that. Nice. <laughs> um, it was called Basic Bee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I couldn't put the full world on there because I figured it would upset some people, but yeah. most people could Especially figure it out. Especially the dog owners, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I can't pet the dogs. <laughs> how does, I mean, I have to imagine that this place, it gets a ton of local support. What are some yes. of the things that, uh, events that maybe happen that people really look forward to? Um, so... As I've learned working here for nine, ten months, um, there are so many things that Excelsior does that I just, I had no idea. Um, so our Maybach Festival, our MyFest, it's in the first weekend in May typically or the second weekend, all weather permitting and city permits and stuff. Um, that's our pretty big event of the year uh, that we hire a live band. We have a giant tent outside. We basically take over the whole parking lot. Oh, fun. Um, that one's crazy. We do have an Oktoberfest every year that gets wild. 
St. Patty's Day out here is absolutely bonkers. And if the weather's nice, we open up the patio and okay. it just gets wild in here. Yeah. Um, do you brew a special beer for that? We do an Irish red. Oh, so nice. Okay. I think we're going to try and do kind of like a play pretend Guinness this year, too, just yeah. to, you know, have a dark beer and a lighter beer for St. Patty's Day. Um, there's also Apple Days, which is in September. And we do an apple ale for that. And this past year, we went to the Arboretum and fresh pressed like 25 gallons of apple juice. Oh, nice. And I think they're a new breed of apple is what the Arboretum said. We weren't allowed to know what the breeds were. But oh, I didn't okay. care. I, you know, eat a couple apples here, press some juice, drink some fresh pressed What's apple juice. What's not like, to like about that? Exactly. Yeah. So I threw that in a beer this fall. Um, apple Days is crazy. Uh, the whole Water Street shuts down, and there's art vendors, there's food vendors, there's stuff for kids. There's like a whole like arcadey, bouncy around house stuff, all those things. Okay. <laughs> um, and then there's crazy days. There's a couple of art festivals that go on throughout the summer. Um, we were supposed to have an event this weekend. Uh, it's called the Klondike Dog Races. Um, they had to cancel it due oh, to yeah. our insanely warm weather. It's 50 degrees. We're, yes. rec so. we're recording this on January 30th, <laughs> and it's going to be 50 degrees tomorrow. Which is absolute insanity. Like, I know for everyone's mental health in this state, it's it's great, but it's yeah, it also nice to see the sun today. utterly terrifying. I know. Um, so typically, the first weekend in February, uh, there are a bunch of dog sled races. So they'll pump Water Street full of snow if there isn't enough snow on the on the road. And there will be teams of dog sledders that go from Water Street onto Lake Minnetonka around most of the bays okay. and do two laps. So they do 40 miles. Wow. And then you get to see the dogs up close. They do have a couple that are willing to be pet, but most of these are working dogs. They're not, yeah. unfortunately, they're not playful dogs. Um, I'm really enjoying the beers here. And so I, I got when I, when I left work today, it only took me like 15 minutes to get here. So yeah, I need to, I need to become more of a regular visitor. So it's not that far. Yeah. I think a lot of, uh, city dwellers think anywhere outside of Minneapolis and St. Paul is yeah. insanely far, yeah. but it's really not. Yeah. Um, I live in the South Metro and this take, it takes me a half hour on a bad day to get here. It's right. really not that far. Yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time to chat. Of course. Um, hosting me at Excelsior Brewing and giving me the lowdown on team. Nevertheless has been really insightful and a lot of fun. So thank you okay. so much, Ariel, for taking time. We need to hear about, okay, oh. <laughs> toothpaste nerdery. She, right before we hit record, give me, give me, what does that mean? Okay, so when I travel, I like to bring back toothpaste <laughs> instead of souvenirs. <laughs> okay. Um, so this started years ago, and I'm obsessed with brushing my teeth, which is a great habit to have. But think about it, we all brush our teeth. But every country does toothpaste a little differently. So, like, I've got, I had some toothpaste from Iceland that has, it tastes like Jägermeister, which wasn't a great flavor. Yeah, that one wasn't a very good oh, one. sweet mother of pearl. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and, like, some places do vanilla or cinnamon or, you know, I've got, like, a strawberry mint one at home from the UK. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, it's just, 
like we all do the same thing, but we do it a little bit differently. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. And like it's a it's a practical thing. I'm all about practicality as a person. Yeah. Um, yes. I've asked friends who have also traveled if they can bring back toothpaste if it's a country I've never been to. And a lot of them are, are like, why? Why? what is your problem? And I'll explain it. And then it's like, oh, that, that's kind of neat, but okay. Hey, everybody needs their thing. Exactly. Like that's, that's a, that's a cool thing. Mine is weird ass toothpaste. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was going to, so when you said, oh, we could talk about my toothpaste nerdery, <laughs> um, like my wheels are, are often You're like, what could that do. mean? I'm like, <laughs> okay. So is this the next big thing? Like, artisan toothpaste are you going to be uh branching out and starting your own business of like a tooth pastry do some and lager toothpaste lager yeah. To- yeah yeah so, why not yeah we got a big collab coming up with crest so <laughs> that'll be that'll be really great yeah look out for that <laughs> yeah and then tom's is next it's the, gonna go wild the colgate colch watch out <laughs> um yeah well i'm glad we i'm glad we uh we figured out what that mystery was. That's Good. very interesting. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's not, that's not. Yeah, that's. Huh. I learned that when I was. Uh, I did like a small student exchange when I was in high school. Okay. And I was. Where did you grow up again? I grew up in Richfield, okay. so not right. very far from here. Yeah. Um, but I had spent some time in Germany. And I was with a German host family as a teenager, so you're learning all the things. Yeah. Uh, my brain hurt from trying to use a different language so much. So it's, I have mad respect for anybody who is fluent in multiple languages and doesn't get them confused. That's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, but one morning, we're getting ready for school, and we're brushing our teeth, and one of my host sisters is like, what is your toothpaste? And I was like, it's mint, duh. And she's <laughs> like, ew, who would put mint in toothpaste? Like, that's the weirdest thing. And I was like, well, what's your toothpaste? And it was vanilla. And I was like, okay. oh, that's weird. Who I thought you were going to say coarse mustard flavored. No, uh, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretzel flavored. I guess I always like, because I always bring my own, like my yeah. own travel. So like that. So I had know? my own and we were just in the bathroom and I, I was like, well, that's weird. I didn't know they made toothpaste in different flavors, but they don't make mint as a flavor there. So that's like, it's not a thing. So they were just as weirded out as I was about our toothpaste habits. And then I was like, I'm just going to start buying toothpaste everywhere I go. That was the, that was the last, the last piece of the puzzle that needed to fall into place. (laughs) Okay. Well, good. I will sleep well tonight knowing that that mystery is solved. (laughs) This has been another on location episode of a one pint stand. Cheers. Cheers. I want to thank Ariel Keaton for her time. I enjoyed her thoughts and wisdom. She's a wonderful brewer who is steadfast in her mission to bring women together in a male-dominated industry. I love her passion and firmly believe that equity in beer, whether it's about gender, race, sexual orientation, or any other marginalized group, is something that we can all strive for. Life is too short not to help amplify the voices of the underrepresented. If you're listening to this and your path to beer was easy, I challenge you. Reach out to someone who hasn't had that experience and help them or see what they need. Representation matters, and it's important that we understand that. Luckily, there are smart and witty people like Ariel in the trenches to help move things forward. Also, I think that if there were ever someone fit to host a toothpaste podcast, Ariel is definitely on the top of that list. So, 
Until next time, this has been another episode of A One Pint Stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast where the pants stay on, but the caps come off. Cheers. In little FE4. Well, just, just give me a drill and a funnel and I just help myself. Uh, there we go. There's a spout on the side that, of the that's tank. One of the, you know, that's one of the nice things about podcasting from the brew house. You just reach over, turn a valve, and get a just, bucket. There you go. <laughs>